Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Today on The Bigger Picture, we'll be chatting about investing in China where the official Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index has come in weak. And that news sent Asia into the red, as well as sending the yuan and the Australian and New Zealand dollar tumbling. We'll also be chatting about AI rolling over. Is this just a usual pullback or is this the canary in the coal mine? I'm Sean Cheong and with me today to share his thoughts about this matter is Vikas Prashad, the Portfolio Manager of Asian Equities from MNG Investments. Good morning. Good morning, Sean. How are you? I'm very good, Vikas. So let's just start off with AI first. Um, what do you feel about AI plays? Is this sector overbought and if so how do investors position themselves around this team it's a timely question it's one that we have spent a lot of time but not just in the recent days but we've been preparing for this for several years now and for a trader the rally might be over for a long-term investor it is not we are in the latter category we still see plenty of opportunities across the semiconductor supply chain across software companies across the region concentrated in north asia for now that means in japan south korea and china but they remain long-term for investors. Right. But if you look at the rollover that happened just at the last session in the US, AI names were hitting highs earlier this week and then yesterday it just rolled over and, and they all sort of came down together. The AMDs and NVIDIAs and Marvels and Microns. It's just a very concentrated space, isn't it? It is concentrated, you're right. Especially in the, in the West, if you look at the S&P and the concentration of performance in the large handset makers, in the cloud service providers and recently in the new chip architecture and memory names. I think given the magnitude of the rally that we've seen since NVIDIA reported earnings less than two weeks ago, it's not surprising that there was a pullback. But on a long-term view, if you think about the broadening and the deepening of the applications here and the new kinds of hardware and software that will be necessary, there are there remain plenty of opportunities, especially in Asia. When you look at the semiconductor production equipment space, if you look at the wafer space, and if you look at memory on a long-term view, as we get through the current inventory correction, there are opportunities there as well. Right. So you feel that this is more like a usual pullback and it's not a canary going to the coal mine? I think in the short term view, it's very difficult to predict these things. Uh, given given how much they rallied, it's not surprising that there was a pullback. I don't think that this is the end of the moves for you. I, our presumption is that three to five years from now, most of these names are still higher than where they are today. Ah, okay. Now, let's turn our eyes into China. As, um, well, the PMI data was not that good. I think it showed that ec- economic recovery is losing steam over there. Uh, what are the challenges that's uh, facing China? There are challenges facing every large economy in the world today, whether it's a shrinking demographic or, or conversely, if you look at India with a, a rising population, but then there's a, there's a very large youth population that needs jobs and incomes. So coming back to China, there are growth challenges in the short to intermediate term. If we focus on the investment opportunities side of things, for us, we are looking to outperform the market. We can do that both through what we do own and what we don't own. What we do own are names in the automotive space, in healthcare services, in domestic brands, factory automation, the semiconductor supply chain. What we don't own or what we are underweight are the large cap tech names. And and we believe that on a one, two, three year view, prospectively, that will allow us to outperform the market. We're also looking for absolute return opportunities and we, we are finding those in China as well right, so in the sectors that I mentioned. Right, so it sounds like this, you're feeling a bit cautious about mega and large cap tech names? Yes, we have been positioned that way for the past two years. As the shares have declined, we have been asked, is this the time to get involved in the mega cap Chinese tech names? Our answer has been no. When the facts change, our views will change. But when we look at earnings growth and valuations and regulatory pressure, which is less than it was at the peak, perhaps 12 to 18 months ago, it's less now in that space, but it remains. 
then we see better opportunities elsewhere. If you look at the headline valuation multiples for mm -hmm. many of the large cap tech names in China, they are materially lower than they were one to two years ago, certainly more than three years ago. However, uh, we would say that the earnings outlook is also materially lower than it was one, two, three years ago. Now, let's uh, stick with the north of uh, Asia and let's look over at Hong Kong. Uh, the Hang Seng is currently on a losing streak and it, quite a serious losing streak. In fact, it's just recorded a 2023 low and it looks like the brand name companies, the brand name tech companies are dragging it down. The, the Meituans, the, the JD.coms, the Baidu's. But why is this story the opposite from the US? Because we see tech exploding to the upside there, but it's just falling apart over there in Hong Kong? There are several differences. Number one, if you look at the companies that are at the leading edge of the, the listed companies that are at the leading edge of the AI, machine learning, large language model wave, they are listed in the West. That's number one. Number two, there are regulatory pressures and economic growth challenges that are more pronounced in China today than they are in the U.S. I think that's part of the reason. Also, if, if, if there's an investor that can focus or can invest across the region and around the world, there are many opportunities that, are, that pose alternatives to China today. Whether they might be in Japan, they might be in South Korea, they might be in India or other markets around the world. So I, I think you put all that together and in the short term to medium term, you start to see why the Hong Kong market has been selling off. We are seeing opportunities come up, not just in tech, but largely beyond tech. And we have been increasing our capital allocation to China this year. And uh, since you mentioned Japan, uh, I need to touch on that as well. Many market watchers are getting very bullish about Japan this year. The Nikkei, of course, has gone on quite a run recently. M&G flagged this last year. So is this investment case still as compelling about being bullish about Japan? I would say the, the evidence that has come through over the past year since we started highlighting this opportunity has been better than our expectations. Yes, the market has gone up, but it is not fully pricing in the earnings growth, the increase in dividends, the increase in shareholder buybacks and the potential for a re-rating, given the first three factors. So we think that, the yes, the the Japanese market has done well, but no, it's not fully priced in yet. We remain very excited about Japan for many reasons. Our excitement is across sectors, across the market cap curve, and across time horizons. So we still think that there's a case to be made for being very positive on Japanese equities. Okay. So if I were to use a golf anal analogy, if this is an 18-hole golf course, which hole are we on with regards to Japan? I think for Asia in general, we're just teeing up at the first hole oh, in wow. general. Okay. Um, I think the... Japan might be a little bit further ahead, but we're still very early in the in the Asian equity story. Uh, okay, thank you. And so, how should we approach investing in the future in terms of uh, maybe energy and mobility? As you know, both are related. Energy and mobility are closely inter intertwined, but they don't overlap fully. If we start with the mobility supply chain, there are auto OEMs. There are plenty in China as the, the country is going to lead the way or is leading the way in the shift from ICE vehicles to EVs. So there are the auto OEMs. But then if you look more broadly beyond that, there's the battery supply chain, a lot of which is in China, Japan, and South Korea. There is the power semi supply chain, a lot of which is in Japan, and we have exposure to that. There's memory, advanced sensing, again, China, Japan, South Korea. So that's, that's for mobility. In other markets, however, there are other ways to invest in mobility. There's the, the two-wheeler story in India. There's a four-wheeler story in the commercial vehicle story in India. And that remains very exciting to us. So that across the region, you have opportunities on mobility. On the new energy side, again, it's all very linked to mobility. 
but there are broader applications as well. Solar modules in India and China. You have the battery supply chain in North Asia as well. That's where we've been focusing our attention. But there are extensions of our research that are taking us into new areas as well. All right. Thank you very much for that, Vegas. That's very insightful. I look forward to teeing up with you on the golf course. <laughs> any day. Uh, any day. Any day. This is Money FM 89.3, Singapore's most influential radio station. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.